Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. And you are watching us on Facebook Live and the YouTube channel. And you can listen to us Monday through Friday on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key from 2 to 3. I am your host, Richard Holdridge, and let's get this show started. It is Friday. It is my high school football preview review show. We did have some NFL and college football yesterday that I will get into as well. And then for the radio audience only, I'm going to have Gabe Reynolds on the show as we are going to talk about this upcoming week in the National Football League and college football. But we had a big game yesterday, Kendrick taking on Spencer. And this game was broadcasted on Georgia Alabama Sports Live's YouTube channel. Spencer won the game 36-14 to as Kendrick scored 14 unanswered points in that second half, trying to make it close. Spencer's 2-2 two and two on the season as they will take on Rutland next week. And Kendrick falls to 1-3. and three. They will take on Central of Macon. I'm going to go through all the games in high school football to including the game that Thrift and I will be at tonight in the Swamp. It's number one, Glenwood, taking on number two, Lee Scott Academy. High school game day is going to be there at the Swamp. You can catch the action on Georgia Alabama Sports Live's Facebook and YouTube channel. It's going to be absolutely insane at the Swamp, and I'm so looking forward to it as it's always great. We're making our second trip back to Glenwood. And don't forget, we also have the Glenwood Gators Coaches Show that we produce every Monday at Mike and Ed's Barbecue at 6.30, and you can catch that on Georgia Alabama Sports Live as well. Let's get into some of the football that happened last night. The Philadelphia Eagles, they get a 34-28 victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Despite Kirk Cousins throwing for four touchdown passes, the Eagles are 2-0, and but they are not really a whole lot impressed by their 2-0 record. A win is a win. It was a very close win against a Minnesota Vikings team that seems like they shrink in the biggest stage. But Kirk Cousins actually shined the best with four touchdown passes. Jalen Hurts did have an interception in this game. DeAndre Swift ran pretty well for the Eagles. Eagles are 2-0. They take on the Buccaneers Monday night. And you got to think, is this the same Philadelphia Eagles team that's going to reach the Super Bowl next uh, in the next year? And uh, I actually think... That no, I think that with the losing the coordinators, that it, that is a tall task, and I think that the 49ers and Cowboys have elevated themselves as the two best teams in the NFC. The Eagles are still good, and I think that the Eagles can make a deep run in the playoffs, but we'll see. All right, college football last night. I mean, we had Memphis squeak by Navy, and uh, Miami defeated Bethane Cookman 48 to 7. We've got College football week three, typically this is the week where I really get excited about Tennessee, Florida, and not so much Florida's unranked, but is this the year that Tennessee finally gets a win in the swamp? They have not won there since 2003. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the Braves. They had the day off yesterday, but they did clinch. The NL East sixth straight division title. They're about to take on the Marlins for a three-game series. The Atlanta Braves, right now, their goal is to get the number one seat. Right now, if the playoffs were to end 
if the season were to end today and the playoffs were to start, the Braves would be the overall number one seed in the National League. The Dodgers would be the number two seed. The Milwaukee Brewers would be the number three seed. The Philadelphia Phillies, the number four seed, followed by the Chicago Cubs, the number five seed. The Giants right now are in a tie with the Reds and the Diamondbacks. So either the Giants, Reds, or Diamondbacks would get the number six seed and take on the Milwaukee Brewers. It would be the Phillies and the Cubs in the first round of the playoffs. And the Braves would await the winner. I know for a fact they do not want to play the Phillies in that first round of the playoffs. Let the Dodgers play the Phillies. Uh, Let those two teams cancel each other out because the Phillies did beat the Braves in the wild card round last year. So let's talk about the game that happened last night. Kendrick, it was a valiant effort. Bukhari Littles, he had some great runs. And Kyrgios Collier, a good running back for the Kendrick Cherokees. The scoop and score by Tavian Leonard. And they were able to put up two touchdowns in that second half. But Spencer, Gary Gaither, with three touchdown passes, he looked great. And uh, that was just an amazing game. And you can catch a replay of that game on Georgia Alabama Sports Live. So check it out. And it is now time for my high school football preview review show, week five. I can't believe that high school football is almost to the halfway point. As we start getting into some region play, and I'm going to tell you what the game of the week was based on the Twitter poll that I had. Oh, I'm sorry, the X poll that I had. And then I'm going to reveal my top 10 teams from East Alabama and my top 10 teams from West Georgia. I'm going to break down all the games, and then uh, we will call it a day. Myself and Thrift Berenger are going to be at Glenwood. Tonight, as the Glenwood Gators take it on Lee Scott Academy, it is a rematch of the AISA championship game that happened in Montgomery last year. All right, you voted for it on Twitter, the high school game of the week for the sports beat, according to the fans on the X, is Opelika at Central. Central is firing on all cylinders with a 3-0 record. Opelika, 2-1 after losing to Thompson. To start the season, they have rallied two wins over Percy Julian and Jag. I like this quarterback matchup between Roman Gagliano and Andrew Alford. Alford's got 13 touchdowns on the season. He's got some great weapons like Cam Coleman, the number one prospect that is verbally committed to Texas A&M. And then Dylan Gentry is a very complimentary number two receiver. Head coach Patrick Nix might have his best team since the 2018 team that Central uh, hoisted that blue map with the state championship for the head coach, Jamie DuBose. I think that Central has got what it takes to dethrone Thompson, the four-time state champions in Alabama. Stratford and Pacelli. This is a rematch of the GIAA championship where Pacelli defeated Stratford Academy 10 to nothing. Stratford taking on Pacelli at Dimel Field. I'm excited about this one because Dave Plata and DJ Jones are going to be on the call for Viking TV. That should be a lot of fun. Two legends in this town calling a game together. It's giving me chills. 
Calvary Christian is back at home as after losing last week to Flint River Academy 42 to nothing. They are back at home taking on Lanier Christian Academy. You got Southwest. It's going to be at Otis Spencer Stadium taking on the Jordan Red Jackets. And over at Kinnett Stadium, you have the Shaw Raiders taking on the Columbus Blue Devils as Shaw trying to get back on track. And they have not had a home game yet, but they've actually, this is their second time at Kinnett Stadium on the road as they lost to Northside last week, 33-7, to and they're trying to get back on the winning track. Columbus, their only win this season was a victory over the Jordan Red Jackets. And this is a rivalry game between two schools that are not necessarily at this time, known for football, they are known for the other sports, but they still have a very passionate fan base. Columbus and Shaw tonight at Kennett Stadium. Over at Danny Durham Field in Hamilton, Georgia, you got the Hardaway Hawks who are 0-4, and they have an absolute brutal schedule. They're taking on Harris County. That is 3-1. and Remember, Harris County went 2-8 and last year, and Harris County firing on all cylinders. Winners of three straight, Levi Watson commanding that offense for the Harris County Tigers. Mate Yeomans, great running back to just feed him the rock and let him get that yardage and that offensive line plugging the holes and giving Harris County spaces to move in the field. And It's going to be just such a great game. Hardaway, still a young team, led by their first-year head coach, Ryan McKenzie, they do have a very talented freshman quarterback, Bobby Gary. And I look at this Hardaway schedule. Yes, they are battle-tested. Not only do they have to play Harris County next week, they got to go to Fort Valley to take on Peach County. That is a brutal schedule before they get into region play. If you go up I-185, you have two schools up in LaGrange that are on the road. And this is where region play is getting Really big, especially for Troop County, 3-0, fresh off of their bye, taking on Whitewater, which is 2-1. and one. And then LaGrange is on the road, taking on Stars Mill after LaGrange got the win over Ups and Lee. They're trying to uh, get that win from, you know, they lost to Stars Mill last year. They're trying to avenge that loss. And then... The Brookstone Cougars trying to get their first win of the season. They are on the road taking on the undefeated Mount Zion. You got Sly County. That's also 3-0 taking on Central of Talbotton. That is 1-2. Manchester, 2-1 after losing to Lamar County, their first loss of the season they are on the road taking on marion county and then you have the north side patriots they are on the road traveling to americas georgia to take on sumter county smith station is at home at tc britain field at panther stadium as they are taking on enterprise and you have russell county also at home taking on Carver of Montgomery. Auburn is on the road, taking on Jag. Auburn 2-1. and one. They got an incredible double overtime win over Dauphin last week. They are taking on Jonathan Abernathy Gratz 
also known as JAG, the former Jefferson Davis school over in Montgomery, Alabama. Some of the other small schools in the Chattahoochee Valley, Beauregard, the Hornets after losing the Valley last week, they are on the road taking on Tallahassee. Sylacauga is taking on Valley. Valley is 2-1 and one on the season. Greenville is at Eufaula. You got Beulah. How about the Beulah Bobcats? Two and one on the season after getting the big win over Sacks last week. They are taking on Wellburn on the road. Barber County is on the road taking on the Lafayette Panthers. Is the Panthers uh, the Lafayette Bulldogs? The the Lafayette Bulldogs trying to get their first victory of the season. They are zero and three, and the Lynette Panthers on the road taking on Highland Home. This is a very important region game as Highland Home is undefeated so far on the season. The Lochapoca Indians 3-0 on the season and they are taking on Central of Haynesville. And then Nota Saga 1-1 taking on Maplesville who are 1-2. Now let's go over to some of the schools in Noonan because you know this is a show that is broadcasted in Noonan. I want to give the Noonan schools some love, especially let's start with East Coweta. After getting the 31-14 victory over Sandy Creek last week, they are for real. They are 4-0 on the season, and they are taking on the powerhouse down in Valdosta, Lowndes. Lowndes comes in 3-0. Yes, we all know the accolades from Lowndes and the state titles that they have won. If you drive down I-75, you know, we take trips all, the, all to Jacksonville all the time. And so you drive down the interstate, you see the high school football stadium, you see all their championships displayed outside of their stadium. Lowndes is just a powerhouse in 7A. And then you have Sandy Creek. So they're trying to get back on track after losing to East Coweta. But they have a massive game taking on Collins Hill on the road. Collins Hill, we, we all know about Collins Hill. They are a powerhouse in 7A. Travis Hunter went to Collins Hill. And uh, also Taylor Heineke, uh, the Falcons backup quarterback, also went to Collins Hill. The game of the week for GPB. And, and by the way, uh, John Nelson was on Sports Visions yesterday, and he did just such an amazing job. I was a, glad that I was a part of Sports Visions. I, I like the segment now. They're, they're starting to have me uh, be on the show uh, broadcasting remotely from the football stadium that Thrift and I call the Thursday night game, and that is so much fun just to make that transition from Sports Visions to calling a high school football game on Thursday night. But you have Carver of Atlanta taking on Buford. Wow, what a matchup. Looking forward to that. Northgate is hosting Central of Carrollton. You have McIntosh that is on the road taking on Landmark Christian. Cross Keys is on the road taking on the Heritage Hawks as Heritage trying to get their first victory of the season. And a big shout out to Flint River Academy as they are hosting the 2A team, Redan. And uh, we want to give some love to Flint River being out of Woodbury, Georgia, as they are part of the Chattahoochee Valley. Just trying to give them some love as well. All right, let me get into my top 10 for East Alabama, my top 10 for West Georgia, and we will go ahead and close this show. There's no surprise the number one team 
in East Alabama is Central. Now, first of all, before I get into my top 10, uh, let me tell you the rules that I have when I do my top 10. I do not factor in classifications. I only factor in teams that I feel have the easiest path to the state championship. So you can understand why I'm putting my next team at number two, Glenwood. So Central 1, Glenwood is number two. Glenwood has a pretty easy path to get to the state championship. Number three is Lee Scott Academy. So they are right there with Glenwood. And then number four, the Auburn Tigers. Yes, Auburn did have an upset loss against Enterprise. And Auburn did bounce back and get a double overtime win over Dothan. They could ride the ship trying to get a win over Jag today. And they still have some great opponents like Opelika on the schedule. Prattville, you know, they actually take on the 5A champions, Ramsey out of Birmingham. So, yes, Auburn is at number four. Number five is the Eufaula Tigers. After getting a big win over Heedland, I think that Eufaula has what it takes to uh, be one of the top teams in 5A. Number six, Opelika. The Opelika Bulldogs are in action at Garrett Harrison Stadium tonight, taking on the Central Red Devils. Number seven, the Lochapoca Indians. 3-0 on the season. They are taking on Central Haynesville. Next week, they take on their crosstown rival, Notasalga. That's going to be on a Thursday night, and uh, that should be a lot of fun. Number eight, Chambers Academy. I think that Chambers Academy... You know, they have really shown uh, that they can compete at the AISA down in Class 2. And then number nine, we have the Beauregard Hornets. And then number 10, the Valley Ramps. Uh, and so, yeah, I could have flip-flopped those nine and ten. But uh, those are the teams in the Chattahoochee Valley over in East Alabama. And now let's go to West Georgia. Number one, there's no surprise that my number one team is Schley County because I feel that Schley County can win a state championship. Number two is Troop County. Troop County, Teo Todd fresh off the bye. They do have a tough test against Whitewater tonight. And then next week they will play at Stars Mill. So the next couple of weeks, Troop County will find out how tough they are. But really a statement win getting the victory over Callaway two weeks ago. But they have just had a bye. Number three is the Northside Patriots. Three and one. I have them jump Carver. So Northside is number three. Number four is the Carver Tigers. Carver is on the road taking on a 7A team in Brookwood. Brookwood is one and two on the season, uh, but this is going to be a test for the Carver Tigers to see if they are battle-tested going up against a 7A school. Number five is the, the Callaway Cavaliers. Uh, Callaway, even though they did lose to Troop County, they are on a bye this week after beating Heard County in the Pulpwood Classic. Uh, they get ready for their region contest. Redan is coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, head coach Pete Wiggins got a great team. I think the Callaway Cavaliers sitting right there at number five. Number six is the LaGrange Grangers as they've got a big game against Stars Mill this weekend. Two and one on the season. And then new in my rankings, I am putting Flint River Academy number seven. Flint River is uh, just 
on a mission to win a state title. My next team, I dropped them down in my rankings. The Pacelli Vikings is number eight. Still a great team. Uh, I just think that all these other teams, there's just a lot of teams in West Georgia that are are really good. I think Pacelli's path is a little bit easier, but you know, I also factored in that uh, you know Pacelli still in a rebuilding year, still a great team. Spencer at number eight. I got spent the Spencer Green Wave at number eight because uh, they were able to um, ride the ship and get the victory over Kendrick. Number nine, I mean, they're three and one. They're going to jump up in the rankings. Number nine is Harris County. And I think that they're they're continuing to climb. This is the first time that they make my top 10. And uh, I think that, you know, that clash on October the 6th as Harris County taking on Northside, that could determine who is going to win that region. And number 10, the Manchester Blue Devils. They drop in my rankings after losing to Lamar County. Look, if I left any team off my list, and you got to remember that I, I was actually doing this list based off the cuff, you know, talking about all these teams in East Alabama, West Georgia. Uh, but for time's sake, uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off because uh, coming on the show is Gabe Reynolds. So you don't want to miss it. Thank you, everybody, for uh, watching on Facebook Live and on YouTube. And uh, stay tuned. We're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to have Gabe Reynolds on the show. You don't want to go anywhere. It's a sports beat with Richard Holdridge. We'll be right back. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home. Offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control. 34 Jefferson Street, Newton. 770-954-9941. Welcome back to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. And my next guest, he's no stranger to the show. I always like having Gabe on, especially after a big Cowboys win or loss in Alabama. Gabe, how you doing? I'm good, Richard. Thanks for having me. Uh, great week uh, one of NFL football. Great week, I guess, week two of college football. You know, the week zero always gets me. But yeah, I'm ready, ready to uh, jump right on in and talk Cowboys, Bama, Georgia, and anything else in between. So, Gabe, one thing I like about having you on the show is you're not too high or too low on the Cowboys. Like when the Cowboys win, it's a great win, and you're happy because that's your team. But you tell it like it is. If the Cowboys struggle, you're the first person that will criticize them. But how are you feeling after that 40 to nothing win over the Giants? I'm still like, okay, good deal. That's just week one. A lot of the starters for both teams didn't play. Um, you know, it was a lot of emotion going into that game. Uh, a lot of new pieces. Uh, you know, when you look at the preseason, it's kind of hard to game plan off of that. But then when you schedule a divisional opponent, in the first the first regular game of the season, it's always going to be a lot. I would not – I'm not like a, hey, Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl and the Giants are doomed uh, this year because it's just week one. Uh, I think Dak said it best 
you're not going to win games like that and score 40 points and shut a team out. This is the, these are professionals. These are the best of the best. You expect that at the college level, but this is not something you will see week in and week out um, at the NFL level. Okay, Gabe, tell me if you agree with me. In my opinion, right now, the eye test after week one tells me that the two best teams in the NFC are the 49ers and Cowboys. No, I disagree with you on that one. And, and, And here's why. Again, still week one. Uh, yes, did they? Did both teams go out and secure dominating wins? Yes, they did. Uh, but can we right now? They were the two best teams of week one. I wouldn't say they're the two best teams in the league, but they were the two best teams of week one. Gabe, who would you put in there? Detroit went out and proved a lot of people wrong by going to Kansas City and beating the defending champs. The Falcons had a good game. But, you know, right now you got basically half the league is is where it is. You got one half of the league that's 0-1, and you got the other half of the league that's 1-0. But, like I said, eyeball test, yeah, I agree with you. Like, those were the the two best teams, but those were the two best teams for that week. Do you think think New York is going to go out and get shut out again next week? You think Pittsburgh is only going to score seven points next week? Nah. They're going to get back to the drawing board. They're going to figure some things out, and they're going to come back, and they're going to be firing on all cylinders. Will the Cowboys score 40 points again next week against the Jets? Probably not. Will the 49ers put up video game numbers again next week like they did this this past weekend? Probably not. I think everybody's going to come back come back to earth in a lot of ways, and we'll get some, some hard-hitting smash-mouth football, but we'll still have some great games. So, Gabe, I'm looking at the schedule for both the Cowboys and the 49ers. They are going to be favored in every single game leading up to that Sunday night game on October the 8th between the 49ers and the Cowboys at Levi Stadium. I see both these teams going into this game 4-0, and that could be the game of the year. I'm excited about that game. I cannot wait, Gabe. I know that you're excited. My team going up against your team. Unfortunately, the Cowboys have had their – playoff hopes dashed in heartbreaking fashion against the 49ers the last two seasons. They're looking for some payback. I know that we're going to preview that game because I actually, after seeing the Cowboys defense just completely shut down the Giants, it's got me worried. I'm thinking that the Cowboys right now have a championship defense and they could shut down just about anybody in the league. Or are the Giants really that bad? I wouldn't say the Giants are really that bad because remember the Giants, uh, you know, the Giants have, they got playmakers around. I think they just had an off night. The Cowboys, I I will say this, that Dan Quinn defense is going to be stout all season. Michael Parsons uh, playing like a wrecking ball in there. You got uh, Diggs on the on the outside locking up his side of the field. Uh, you got Vanderash, uh, you know, in in that D line. I think I think the way Dan Quinn has that team going and they have that continuity. Yes, they're going to keep the Cowboys in a lot of games uh, because if their offense decides to struggle, as far but the the Giants. They didn't get a chance to run Saquon a lot. I think the I think the Giants need to focus on strengthening their offensive line. 
but also give Saquon the ball a, a little bit more and get him some more touches. And then that'll take pressure off of Daniel Jones. I, there's nothing wrong with, you know, running some screens here and there for Saquon because Saquon is a, is very hard to tackle once he gets once he gets to that second level. Um, but then also that takes um you got you got the rookie, you got uh Jalen Hyatt. You know, he he dropped a couple of balls the other night in the game that he would have caught last year in Tennessee. And he's a speedy receiver. You just that line has got to give him some time so that uh so that she, uh, he can get the ball out and, and, and get the ball to the playmakers. All right, Gabe, moving over to the AFC, in my opinion, the most impressive team. Well, I'm going to say two teams that really impressed me week one, the Miami Dolphins and the Cleveland Browns. I did not see that coming. Cleveland beating Cincinnati 24 to three. Maybe it's Joe Burrow's rust, but the Dolphins, they really impressed me. They look like that they could compete with the likes of Kansas City Buffalo, Cincinnati in the AFC. And I know it's only week one, and we'll see how they do against a Bill Belichick defense on Sunday night. But what has impressed you the most? Like, what team in the AFC has impressed you the most so far? Probably the Jets. After what happened with Aaron Rodgers going down um, and the way, you know, when they went down, nobody gave the, the Jets any chance against the uh, Bills. And for the, the the Jets defense to force four four turnovers and still stay together and win that game in overtime. Uh well not overtime, but on on, on the uh on the last play, like that that really impressed because their whole season was basically uh after four plays in, their whole their whole season was pretty much in the tank. And for them to come out and get a get a win right there, like that that that's great coaching uh, right there, and that, that's great great leadership uh, with with the captains and, and the coaching staff uh, because they stuck with the game plan and they didn't deviate from it. All right, Gabe, let's do a little week two preview because I was looking at some of these games. I cannot wait for Sunday. I mean, I have the NFL Red Zone channel. The first game, one o'clock. I'm really looking forward to the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Chiefs will have Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey back. So all is well with the world. They still have Patrick Mahomes. I still don't think they have a number one receiver. But who do you like in that game? I like Jacksonville, really. But uh, the, 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 my gut tells me to uh, go with Kansas City. I like Jacksonville because what they're going to do, they're going to uh, – their defense – they're going to take away Kelsey. Kelsey's not 100%. Yes, he's coming back, he's playing, but he's not 100%. Um, they're going to take away Kelsey, which is the security blanket for Patrick Mahomes, the same way that uh, Detroit did. They're going to pressure Mahomes. They're going to get in the backfield. The, the, like you said, Kansas City doesn't have a number one receiver, and they really and truly don't have a true running game. I, I like I like ETN uh, because you can put him in multiple places. You can put him, you can put him outside. You can line him up in the backfield. You know, I, I, I like um, Trevor Lawrence and how he gets the ball out. He's got full command and full control of that offense. He's understanding. The coaches trust him uh, to make the plays with that team. And then that defense, 
they're they're just they're just out there just playing. It's like watching uh schoolyard backyard football uh when you watch when you watch Jacksonville. You live in Nashville, so there's a lot of talk about the Tennessee Titans. And Ryan Tannehill didn't have a great game through three interceptions against the Saints. They're at home, Nissan Stadium taking on the Chargers. If Ryan Tannehill has another bad game, will it be time for Tennessee to go to Will Levis? Well, right now, Will Levis is not even listed as the number two quarterback. Remember, Levis didn't play much in the uh, preseason because of injury. So, oh, so Malik it's going to be Malik Willis. Malik wow. Willis. Malik Willis is listed number two on the depth chart. Uh, but I – you so you, you got to look at a lot of things. The Titans finished the season last year losing seven games in a row. And if you count the game uh, Sunday, they've lost eight in a row. They they took the lead and didn't – wait, did they take the lead or did, was it all field goals? I don't think it's time to panic. But a lot of talk that I'm hearing up here on Sports Talk in Nashville is why wasn't Derrick Henry on the field? And the thing is, when Derrick Henry is not on the field, the Titans are easy to game plan for, if that makes sense. They know that when Derrick Henry's not on the field, they know you're not going to run the ball. And then Tajay Spears, um, he only touched the ball four times on uh, against New Orleans on Sunday. So... They didn't have a running game at all. DeAndre Hopkins was barely used in the game. He only had maybe five or six targets. And it's like you brought in you brought in a, a, a key piece to stretch the field, to uh, take pressure off uh, trailing birds. You, got, you have a true number one in DeAndre Hopkins. You got a true number two. In Traylon Burks, you have by far the best, probably one of the best running backs in the NFL. You have a very suspect offensive line, and you still didn't even do anything. The first play, you you the first play of the game, the the, the Titans got a turnover in plus territory, and then immediately got a false start penalty and immediately took Derrick Henry out the game at first and 15. Why would you take Derrick Henry out on the first and the 15 just because you're five yards back? So you settle for a field goal, but you didn't give the main person the ball. You didn't look at DeAndre Hopkins. You didn't even check down to your tight end. You tried to get cute. And, and and run swing plays and different things with the backup running back. The backup running back is not Tony Pollard in Dallas. It's not uh, Edwards Hilaire in uh, KC. It's not Christian McCaffrey in San Francisco. The backup running back is literally just what it is, the backup running back. Why are we scheming? and game plan and trying to give the ball to the backup running back when you have 6'2", 250, the king, Derrick Henry, on the sideline, you give him the ball, and you run the king. They're going to mess around and let Derrick Henry walk, and Derrick Henry is going to go somewhere, and Derrick Henry is going to win a Super Bowl 
and Derrick Henry is going to be used and Derrick Henry is going to be valued. There are teams that want Derrick Henry right now, but the Titans won't trade for him. So you're wasting away his value. That's just my opinion. But other people think the same way. Well, Gabe, I thought that the Titans defense did pretty well sacking Derek Carr four times. And the Titans, they got to get this win at home against a very overrated Los Angeles Chargers team that their head coach, Brandon Staley, is on the hot seat, especially if the Chargers uh, just have a very mediocre season. They do have a lot of talent. Justin Herbert, a great quarterback, but they can never find get out of their own way. Let's go ahead and look at some of the other games. Your Dallas Cowboys taking on the New York Jets. Does the game plan change now that Zach Wilson is going to be the starter? I know that this was the primetime CBS game. Everybody wanted to see Dallas Cowboys going up against Aaron Rodgers, but they're going to get a very good defense. They're going to get a Zach Wilson that as long as he doesn't make the mistakes, I think the Jets will be fine. But the Cowboys are favored by nine for a reason because they have a championship defense. And as long as Dak Prescott just does enough to not make the big mistake, I think the Cowboys get the win here. I I, I agree. I think that um, – I don't think they changed the game plan. I think they were going to – however they were going to scheme Rodgers, they're going to scheme Wilson the same way. Um, I think uh, the that defense is is legit. That Like you, you said, that is a championship defense right there. Let me put a pin in that and let me go back to the Titans. You said something about the Titans and how the defense for the Titans kept uh, the Titans in the game against New Orleans. If you're on, if you're a defensive player for the Titans and you're out there and you're busting your tail and you're working that hard to keep the Saints close so that you can keep your offense in, in rhythm, I would be. If I'm on that defense, I'm yelling at that offense like, what are you doing? We're out here working. We got everything going, and you just go out here and you just do this, and you, we're settling for field goals? Like, I'm I'm having words with the offensive side of the ball and the offensive coordinator because the Titans' defense, to be, let, let, let's call it what it is. The Titans' defense is going to be the ones that's going to keep them in a lot of games this year, a lot of games. Going back to the Cowboys. Um, I think I think that's going to be a good ma- – I think both defenses are going to be stout, and both defenses are going to keep both offenses in that game. Again, let's, let's not take away that the, the New York Jets defense forced four turnovers against the Bills and kept the, uh, the Jets in position to get a win in that game. And I think it was defense – they got the game-winning touchdown for the Jets. So you got the offenses weren't cooking in week one. The defenses are in prime form right now both ways. It's going to still be a good game. It's not going to be the marquee game of Aaron Rodgers against his old coach and, and against Dak Prescott, but you're still going to get a good game between Dallas and uh, the Jets. Okay, Gabe, in the last game we are going to preview for week two before we move on to college football is the 49ers and the Rams. Rams surprised a lot of people getting the win on the road at Seattle in week one. In fact, they were dominant. They were doing this without Cooper Cup, 30 to 13. When Matthew Stafford is healthy, 
the Rams can play with anybody. They still have the best defensive player in the league, Aaron Donald. This is a matchup where I think the 49ers are going to win, but I actually think that it's going to be a lot closer than people think. The Rams could sneak and get this win. Uh, what do you think? I mean, do you think that the 49ers, they was just an anomaly week one over the Pittsburgh Steelers, or are the 49ers the real deal with Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, who, ha- by the way, has the best quarterback rating in the NFL week one right now? Purdy, he just fits that offensive system for San Francisco. Uh, no disrespect to Trey Lance, no disrespect to uh, Alex Smith and everybody else that were there. Uh, but Purdy just fits the mold of what they're trying to do. And for him to be the last pick of the draft and nobody really nobody really uh, evaluated him or took a chance on him, he's come in and just – Taking taking advantage of the opportunities given to him and has taken control of the offense. He understands the offense. People have said it was something similar to what he ran in college, or he could just be have a really great quarterbacks coach in, in the uh in the room that's that that's got him up to speed really fast. Either way, he's comfortable back there. And it, it, it also helps that you have Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuels, uh George Kittle. Uh, as weapons at your disposal, so it's not a whole lot that you have to do. I like the 49ers. I like I like how they're playing. Again, Pittsburgh was a good test, but let's not let's not let's not get get them too riled up and too overrated. Um, Shanahan is doing a great job in managing that offense over there uh, for the for the 49ers uh, and his play calling. And I just I think that going into to this game against uh, McVay and the Rams, even with Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald's a little bit older. He's not. You, if you notice that ever since the uh, the Super Bowl, he's gotten his Super Bowl. He hasn't played with the same chip on his shoulder. He's played just like you really haven't heard him much. Um, so I, I I I like the the Forty Niners uh, offensive line. I like the way that they're going. Debo, you can line him up anywhere, everywhere, all over the field, and he's gonna he's gonna get chunk yards. He's gonna get good yards, and he's he's gonna make the uh, Rams defense play if they if they get too aggressive. All right, Gabe. Moving on to college football. Before we get into the Week Three preview, I want to talk about your Alabama Crimson Tide because here's my opinion: they lost to the better team, Texas. Might just be a national championship contender. Alabama's good. I know that. The thing about Bama, I know you're an Alabama fan. You either are a fan of them or you rooting against them. A lot of the country is thinking that Alabama is going to drop off and they are not even going to get double-digit wins. But I still believe Alabama, Nick Saban, is going to get them to play in every game. They're going to play angry. They could run the table. Yes, Jalen Milrow is not the quarterback that they've had before, like Bryce Young, Tua Tungabailova, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts. But he still does some good things. He kind of reminds me of Jalen in his first year at Alabama back in 2016. He likes to throw the ball down the field, and he also is a great athlete in space. When he takes off, look out. I mean, Alabama can be a dynamic playmaking team. They do have some holes on this team. But what's your take after them losing to Texas in Tuscaloosa? 
Saturday night. I'll say this right here. I'll say this to say this. Alabama played Middle Tennessee State in the first game. Texas played Rice. They only had one tune-up game, both teams, okay? Tennessee plays Florida in week three. Florida opened up with Utah in the first game, and then they played some no-name team last week. Tennessee played Austin P, and they played Virginia, who was not as strong. So basically, everybody played cupcake teams. Texas and Alabama played each other, and they played not in a neutral site. They played at each other's home field. Last year, it came down to a field goal. This year, Texas was the better team. But look at where they played that game at. They played it in week two both seasons. It, that loss for both teams has no impact on their conference. Everybody looks at it where, well, Texas is back. Alabama's out of the college football playoff. Texas lost last year. Texas beat Oklahoma. And everybody was like, Texas is back. Everybody says this every time Texas beats a big-time team. Texas is back. Oh, te- But what has Texas done after they beaten a marquee team? Texas loses to Texas Tech. Texas loses to Oklahoma State. It's the same song and dance with Texas. They beat Alabama this year. They were the better team. But Texas still plays in the Big 12. Texas should be dominating the Big 12. Sarkeesian said, hey, I recruited because and to build this team up because we're going into the SEC next year. You think you think Texas is going to beat everybody in the SEC when they get there? No. You think Alabama is going to uh, – you think Nick Saban ain't looking at that game? And That's why Nick Saban scheduled that game right then and there. Hey, this is going to be – okay, let's go ahead. We're going to fall. We're going to fall down in the polls. We can still come back. This is Saban talking to his team. You can still come back and make the uh, college football playoff. All you got to do is win the SEC West. Is it going to be tougher now with one loss? Yeah, it is. But guess who else got one loss? LSU. LSU got one loss. But ain't nobody saying LSU is falling off because they got one loss to uh, Florida State. It's Alabama's down because Alabama lost to Texas. But LSU and Alabama still got to play. Ole Miss and Alabama still got to play. Auburn and Alabama still got to play. Tennessee and Alabama still got to play. The season's not over. It's week two. Now, I will say some changes need to be made. We saw that in the game. You're right. Milro is not the quarterback that Alabama needs. Alabama's got a five-star quarterback that's third on the depth chart right now, Ty Simpson, redshirt freshman out of Martin, Tennessee. Tennessee Gatorade player of the year two years ago. He was the number one dual threat quarterback coming out of high school. Not in the state of Tennessee, but in the country. Jalen Miro was the number five dual threat quarterback coming out of what state? Texas. Who recruited Miro to Alabama? Sark. Sark recruited him. Sark taught him. Sark schemed against him. Then you got the transfer that came from Notre Dame. He would be ideal, but even Saban said all preseason, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. But was that the time to do what Saban did in the national championship game and pull Miro out and put one of the backups in? 
No, that wasn't the game to do that. You can go back into this week. You got a weaker opponent this week. You can figure out some holes before you go to Ole Miss in a few weeks. They're gonna Saban's gonna always get this team together. Remember, they're learning a whole new offense from Notre Dame. The defense is what kept Alabama in that game. But Miro threw one interception. He didn't even he didn't even look off the corner. He tried to make a play, didn't even see that the court that the uh, linebacker was right there and threw the ball and he jumped in front of him. But also, Alabama, just like some of the NFL teams, don't have that number one breakaway receiver that they've had in years past. They don't have that number one running back that they've had in years past. So the plays that Miro made, most quarterbacks, Jalen, when Jalen was at Alabama, Jalen just took off running because that was his style of play from when he was in high school. Miro at least was running, but he's the third fastest person on the team. If you see Miro up close, Miro looks like how Derrick Henry was when Derrick Henry was at Alabama. He's a running back playing quarterback that just so happens to have improved his accuracy the same way that Jalen Hurts did when he got to Oklahoma that he did when he got to Philly. I think Alabama's going to be okay. Remember, last year, this same team with Bryce Young at quarterback lost two games by a combined three points. Let's not write Nick Saban off yet. This is the rat poison that he tells his players about because all the reporters are now disrespecting the Alabama program and the Alabama dynasty and everything that Alabama has built of one game. I even heard somebody say the NIL has even the playing field for Alabama. No, it hasn't even the playing field against Alabama. It's even the playing field in college football. But guess what? Nobody's talking about Clemson and Dabo Sweeney and how they're how they're losing games and not getting transfers. It's benefiting the schools that is benefiting. Everybody's looking at Colorado right now because of the prime effect. But Saban, Saban is still, he's still up there. He's still up there. Let's let's not let's not say that it's the passing of the guard or the changing of the guard right now. Tennessee, they struggled against Austin Pete. LSU, they beat Grambling, but they lost to Florida State. It's only week two. Everything's gonna be okay. I agree with you, Gay, but is it possible? I mean, what if they lose three games? Let's say Bama loses to Tennessee. Okay. Let, let, let's just say Alabama loses to Tennessee. That gives them one loss in the SEC, right? They got two losses overall. But Alabama runs the table, wins the SEC West, goes on to the uh, SEC championship, and wins the SEC championship. Are we still having this conversation? No, we're probably having a two-loss SEC champion in the college football playoff. That's my thought. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. The only reason that Alabama did not go to the uh, – the uh, playoffs last year is because Alabama didn't win the SEC and TCU got to the championship game. Even though they lost, they had they 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 passed the eye test for everybody else. But what happened? What happened when when TCU got there? Well, I mean, they 
did beat Michigan, but Michigan shot themselves in the foot in the semifinals. You know, we all know the score, 65-7. to Georgia just completely humiliated them, and that was the end for TCU. I mean, they they got to make it to the college football playoff championship. I mean, not a, a traditional, a non-traditional power school. I mean, it hasn't happened in 30 years. I mean, it's it's very rare. It's very rare to see a team like BYU win the national championship in 1984 or Bill McCartney's Colorado Buffaloes in 1990, which shared a national championship with Georgia Tech. TCU was close, but uh, they came up a little short in that championship game, I would say. <laughs> right. That's why I say I don't I don't think that uh, we should just write off Alabama yet. It, the season's still young. Gabe, one final segment before I let you get out of here. College football, week three. I want you to give me a ranked team. They could be at home or on the road because, you know, no ranked teams are playing each other this week. Uh, once again, a complete failure by the schedule. But what ranked team is on upset alert this week? Wyoming's playing Texas. Florida nope. State's playing Boston College. Nope. Penn State out of Illinois. Nope. LSU at Mississippi State. Possibly. Kansas State at Missouri. Nope. I'm not even going to go. Weber State at Utah, Central Michigan, Notre Dame. Don't think so. South Carolina at Georgia. Mm, Stranger things have happened. Uh, Especially against South Carolina. Stranger things have happened in that game. Have you seen 2019? Yeah. We all know very, very vividly that South Carolina went and upset Georgia in 2019. You know, Ohio State has really struggled their first two games. I mean, I I don't know when they're going to wake up. Chase McCord, if he wants to become the next great Ohio State quarterback, I mean, he has got to show something in this Ryan Day offense. Here's somebody, I'm going to come out and say it. I think Tennessee's on upset alert. How many times? I was just going to say that. I was just going to say probably Tennessee on upset alert at Florida. Tennessee has not won in the swamp since you and I were at Freed Hardman. This is true. Also, here's a here's a uh, here's a fun stat for you. There, Tennessee is has only on Tennessee has only won two games on September the sixteenth. Interesting. They have they have six losses on September the sixteenth, and four of those are against Florida. And also, Tennessee has only beaten Florida twice in the last 20 years. I seriously think that Tennessee is on upset alert. Yes, I, I'm. I'm. That was that was going to be mine, and that's been the that's been one of the bigger the bigger talks up this way. All right, Gabe. Before I let you go, do you have any more final thoughts about college football? Let's talk about the prime effect. Deion Sanders has already surpassed the win total for Colorado in two games. Colorado wasn't even thought about. They weren't even talked about. They weren't even on TV, not even on the Pac-12 late at night. Nobody. They weren't even an infomercial. And Prime has got there, and they've been the Fox pregame kickoff for two weeks in a row. Now they got the big noon kickoff. And college game day there this week for Colorado, Colorado State. That's not even a marquee game, but it's the prime effect. They're ranked. They haven't been ranked in years. 
can we say that Dion can coach? Let's just say it. Dion can coach. He may not be the actual coach because he's probably not. He went out and actually hired two former head coaches to be his coordinators. Prime is just a face. But Prime doesn't have to coach when you got two coaches out there that can do the job. But okay. look at what look at what he's doing, though. Are we having this same talk if Prime is still at Jackson State? No. Are we? Is, is Colorado even relevant again if they hired, say, uh, Dan Mullen? Well, we can all agree that Dion has made Colorado a national story in college football. All right, Gabe, they are doing things that no team in college football is doing, and they have the Shohei Atani of college football. I mean, Travis Hunter, I mean, he My. might just win the Heisman just because he's playing 85% of the snaps. Let's not discount the the, the supporting pieces around Travis Hunter, Shadur, and uh, Shiloh Sanders. Like, the run, that running back that they got, man, he is fast. And they got four receivers that you have to uh, command – that commands their attention. Anytime you go into the defense, the, the the national runner-up, and you have four 100-yard receivers in your first game, that's amazing. And then to follow it up, everybody thought it was just a fluke for the week one. No, they followed it up last week. They overcame a slow start, but they put Nebraska on their heels, and then they Nebraska just kind of just laid down. And now you got Colorado State coming in. They could be three and up. Is it safe to say that? We could be talking about a Colorado team that could possibly be in the top 10 next week when the rankings come out. I would agree with that, yes. If Colorado makes a, a, a New Year's Six Bowl, not even the playoffs, if they make a New Year's Six Bowl, that's going to say a lot. And that's going to make Colorado a threat. And they're moving to the, uh, the Big 12 next year. Could you see them possibly being in the college football playoff with a when it expands to 12 teams? And oh, Dion absolutely. gets to the playoffs in year two and have a shot at a national championship? Yes, it is possible because Dion will have more players. I mean, this is just unheard of. 70 players from the transfer portal. This is really playing with house money. Year one, nobody expected Dion to do anything in Colorado, and they're about to be 3-0. and But I'm looking at their schedule, Gabe. they got to go to Autzen. They're at Oregon. They're hosting USC. They got to go to UCLA. They're playing Oregon State. Utah to end the season at Washington State. I do see enough wins to get to a bowl game, but the Pac-12 right now, in my opinion, is the best conference in college football. There's no disrespect to the SEC, but look at all the teams that have beaten the SEC so far this season. Right now, the Pac-12 is having the best season so far. Completely agree. What's left of the Pac-12? Because the, if the Pac-12 going this man, they're going out with a bang. That's all I'm going to say. Because <laughs> it won't be a Pac-12 next year. It might be a pack, too. I absolutely agree with you, Gabe. Well, Gabe, it's been fun. I'm glad that you you were able to come on and, and talk some football with me. I'd love to have you back on in, in the next couple of weeks. Just uh, to let me know what how everything's going, and uh, we'll definitely get you back on the show. It's always a pleasure anytime you come on. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. Appreciate you having me. All right. That is Gabe Reynolds. Thank you, everybody, once again, for listening to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I hope everybody has a great weekend, and we are out of here.